Escape the paradise paradox. Prepare for the electric shocks. Wisdom worth more than all the gold that's probably already been stolen from Fort Knox. So if you're ready to open your mind, let's let loose the locks. So here's another episode I'm talking about propaganda. Now you might have uh, learned a little about propaganda in high school, but you probably haven't thought too much about how it's applied to your everyday life and everybody's trying to get a piece of your brain real estate and use it up for their own malicious or benevolent benevolent purposes depending on the person so let's let's have a look at that and uh, remember to jump on over to the paradiseparadox.com have a look through our episodes uh, www.theparadiseparadox.com slash uh, 103 is an interesting episode where I discuss some ideas opening your mind about why someone would possibly want to deceive the world into thinking that it's actually flat uh, and you can jump on to iTunes and have a look at that uh, subscribe on iTunes you can jump on to YouTube you can follow us on Facebook follow me on Twitter I'm at Trouble Bubble Aaron is at Battle AZ, that's A Y Z E E. And jump on over to our website and you see the, the donate button at the top. So we are funded mostly by your generous donations, your tips. So we do appreciate it when you show us a little love in the form of money. Nothing like love when it comes in a uh, form that's easily spendable. So jump on over to donate.theparadiseparadox.com we appreciate it when uh, when you, you give us a little donation that way so let's get into it Principle number one. Every form of communication is actually propaganda. So when someone's trying to communicate something to you, they're actually trying to get their ideas, whether they be facts or opinions, and launch them and plant them in your brain. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that propaganda is bad, that all propaganda is bad. Uh, I like to make this analogy to compare it to food. So everybody who is selling food wants you to buy that food and, and wants you to eat more of that food. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean the food that they're selling is bad. Some of it is good, some of it is bad. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean when you eat that food, you need to be consciously or constantly paranoid uh, that you're going to eat poison. But there are foods out there which uh, have some kind of poisons in them. So. Uh, same thing with propaganda. Uh, not everybody is trying to poison you. Not all propaganda is bad. Some of it is good. But you have to be aware of what's going on because there's a bunch of people out there who are trying to get inside your head. And you have to be aware that uh, when they're pushing something out to you, it's n not necessarily just so, something so innocent. Uh, even if they have good intentions... Uh, so there's there's this classic example from uh, um, 
from The Psychology of Persuasion by Cialdini. Uh, and he talks about this UFO cult and the, this this UFO cult uh, believes that the, the world is going to end and, and if they all band together in this, in this warehouse uh, and, and pray to the aliens, then they won't die. Um, and then the cult around the stage was probably pretty small in numbers, uh, probably less than a thousand members. Um, when it came to the day, what happened was that the clock struck midnight or whatever, the, the earth was supposed to explode and nothing happened. Uh, so the, the leader of the cult had to justify it and said, ah, the, the aliens have, have saved us. They've taken mercy. Um, and of course, what you would expect after that would be that the the group would disband and say well this is a bunch of bullshit but what actually happened because they've invested all of their money they've sold all their earthly possessions this is the literally the only thing they had in the world is this belief in the in this uh um this uh misled cult leader or this manic cult leader um so they had to continue with it now when they when they continued uh trying to spread out the message of this UFO cult uh, they well on the surface they had good intentions because what they wanted was for, for people to be saved from the world blowing up or whatever it was uh, but on a deeper level they're actually in denial uh, so that means it's I mean it's it's really a problem because you can assess someone you can look at someone and say this person has good intentions this is a good person that doesn't necessarily mean that what they're saying is is good. As they're saying, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. So you can't measure someone on their intentions alone. You have to look at them in a little more detail. So just because you trust someone doesn't necessarily mean you should believe everything they say. Principle number two, metacommunication. So everybody knows in, in movies you have today, you have uh, this thing called product placement. So you have something like a, like the situation, you have this really cool guy, James Bond, he's wearing a suit, uh, everybody knows he's a lady killer, um, he does cool shit, he protects the, 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 the innocent or protects the, the queen or whatever the fuck he does. Um, everybody knows he's a cool guy, so that means when James Bond talks about Volkswagen or, or he, you see him wearing a particular watch, that's cool by association. And so they've got this free pass into you there. So they don't even need to make the case. They don't even need to say, hey, this watch is really cool. Um, it has this feature and that feature. They don't need to make an argument. They just launch it right into your brain. That's an easy example that, that everybody knows. But then you have things which maybe you don't think so much about. So, for example... You have uh, like a professor at the front of the class. There's 50, 100, 200 people listening to him. Um, he, he's uh, the, the focal point of attention for the class. Uh, and basically what he says goes in, in terms of that class. Um, people find it much more difficult to, to question him than they would their fellow students. Um, he's the one t speaking generally uh, and... Um, so people have to supplicate him. He has the highest status. So what's the the, the meta communication is here? What I'm saying is important. 
uh, what I'm saying is worthy of value, worthy of consideration. Um, and if you took the, the the same exact words from that professor and wrote them wrote them on a on the, a bathroom wall, uh, people probably wouldn't consider them so seriously. But because of the medium, the medium is the message, and that means these words get more weight. The same thing would would say a, a president giving a, a speech before the Congress. They're all standing there, you know. A lot of them are clapping. Um, they give still like this pre-approval, um, and that means whatever he says is going to kind of seep into your brain. And this is natural. Like this, this is something unconscious. Uh, it's probably go, going to happen to you uh, for the rest of your life, more or less. Um, but you, you can become aware of it to some extent, be aware of your own prejudices and be aware that of the ways that people are manipulating you in order to change your perspective on ideas which might otherwise uh, be seem, seem kind of silly. Uh, another case is, say, uh, you, you have a friend who you trust, you know he's a good person, uh, he's reliable, he always tells the truth, uh, but one day he tells you a lie um, and he might even um, look off to the side. He doesn't make eye contact. He seems kind of nervous about it. But you let it pass because he's established all this credibility beforehand. So the meta communication so strong through through the years um, or through the months that you've known this fellow, um, it overrides the, the the communication of the moment, which is uh, this this guy is looking very nervous right now, and, and maybe I shouldn't trust him. So that's another case of where the, the, this long-established credibility on this metacommunication can override what you might normally consider um, to be a good idea or what you might consider to be good behavior. The third principle is good propaganda doesn't look like propaganda. So it's a related point, but common propaganda technique is to start an article talking about something that you know, something that that you trust, uh, and then in the middle of the article, you move towards something which is the real propaganda, which is the heart of it. So people are already reading through this article and they're going, yep, 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 I agree with this, I agree with this. Um, So by the time you've established a credibility and getting to the heart of it, they, they will just keep on agreeing with you, regardless of if what you said makes sense or not. Um, you're, you're already well established. So the, the lesson is, I mean, you can't switch off halfway through. If, if you're going, to, if you're going to, to, to be aware of your own mind and if you're going to uh, stay on the ball and not be manipulated, you've got to be critical for the entire way. Um, so... Even if, if, if somebody uh, somebody presents you something and this person has a long-standing reputation with you, um, you can't just switch off uh, because maybe somebody got to that person, maybe somebody bought off that person, maybe that person is, is just mistaken, they've been misled or whatever. Um, so the reputation isn't enough. I mean, it's a factor to, t- to take in, but it's not enough. Uh, and nor is... I mean, the, the, the leading in um, paragraphs of an article are nowhere near enough to establish a good reputation. There's something, but don't, don't take it that seriously. So 
Uh, I had this this good example. I'll probably go go into it in, in detail sometime because this article still still floats around the the internet sometimes. Um, this article is is about well, ostensibly, it's about philosophy by a philosophy pr- professor, and he starts off the article talking about um, your. You're entitled to your own opinion, and so what? Some, something like that. So everybody's entitled to their opinion. That's what people say. Uh, but to 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 ha- make an opinion worthwhile, um, to make it something valuable and, and give it to persuasive um, a persuasive uh, effect, then it has to have uh, evidence behind it or an argument or something, uh, which is the case he makes in the, in in the opening points of the article, and it seems very reasonable. Like uh, just about any rational person would agree with that. Even people who don't act that way would probably still believe that. Um, by the time he gets about uh, about halfway through the article, he he starts talking about uh, he starts giving these these examples, uh, slightly contrived examples. So. This is an extract from the article after he gets past the introduction and starts presenting them what is supposed to be the meat of his case, which is actually these these examples which have these little sneaky phrases which will get, get into your mind and bury themselves in like earthworms. If everyone's entitled to their own opinion, just means no one has the right to stop people thinking and saying whatever they want, then the statement is true, but fairly trivial. No one can stop you saying that vaccines cause autism, no matter how many times that claim has been disproven. So this is a particularly poignant case because in the beginning of the article, he's saying how important it is when you have opinion, you have to be able to back it up. But in the middle of the article, he can just jam this right in there saying that vaccines don't cause autism and it's been disproven all these amount of times without backing it up at all. Uh, so he's got a free pass on you. And uh, that's why it's so sneaky. I even uh, talked to my friend about this and I tried to point it out what, what he was doing in this article several times. And my friend said, well, no, it's, uh, I mean, it's an, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an article about philosophy. It's not supposed to uh, present arguments about vaccines. And I said, yeah, it is. And that was, that's exactly what makes it such good propaganda, that you can just jam it right in there with leaving it unquestioned. Now, of course, a lot of people will say, well, vaccines don't cause autism. That's fine. Not really the point. The point is he got a free pass. He got that information in there without you having to question it because he's just providing it as an example of his greater point. Actually, I think, I think Stokes, Patrick Stokes wrote this article, this entire article around the premise that he wanted to, to disparage a certain anti-vaccine activist and that he wanted to, to slip in a, a few things about how vaccines don't cause autism. That's, to, to me, that's how that article appears. You might have a different opinion. I'll put, I'll put the link in the notes. The point is um, no one should get a free pass on you, not even me. Don't let anyone sneak anything in uh, and and just accept it blindly. Um, even if they 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 make a little thing, you know, as an example or something like that, um, that's how they're going to sneak it in. So so it gets beyond the radar. Um, another example was um, when uh, my I, I was staying at my parents' place and I noticed this critical thinking pamphlet on the coffee table and I picked it up and it has like the government seal, New South Wales or Australian government seal. Um, so instantly 
to some people, this has credibility, uh, respectability, authority, and all those sorts of nonsense ideas. Um, so g- going through the the the, the propaganda, um, it's it's talking about critical thinking and talking about ad hominem fallacies and why you should look at the evidence and, and uh, don't just jump on the bandwagon and that that sort of thing. Um, but towards the end of the book, uh, I noticed it said okay, again gave this example uh, and it said the reason. Uh, anthropogenic uh, climate change is a problem isn't because a whole bunch of people believe it is. The reason it is is because it's backed up by facts, by science. Uh, Again, it's a great, great example because ostensibly the book isn't even about uh, or the pamphlet isn't even about global warming. Um, So why would it matter if they use this little example? But they can sneak that right in there without having to defend it. And the the beautiful irony is uh, it's supposed to be this this pamphlet about critical thinking. So that gives you again this air of respectability. Like, well, I read in this in this critical thinking pamphlet that that uh, it's critical to think that that global warming is is real and a threat. Again, you might think uh, catastrophic anthropogenic climate change is is a real thing. Not really the point. The point is. They got a free pass. Point number four, again, related point. The best propagandists are magicians. They are experts at putting your attention exactly where they want it. So there's a classic example of a, of a technique that you'll see from many politicians, uh, from, from many public speakers and even many con men. So what they'll do is when somebody asks them a question and they don't want to answer the question, the first thing to start off with is say, that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked that question. You'll see Trump drop this bomb many times. Uh, and then, of course, they go off and, and they don't answer the question at all or they, uh, they answer it in a way which isn't really answering it. Um, so I've got this example here, uh, David Mayer de Rothschild. So let's have a little look. Hi. I'd like to know your opinion about the burgeoning climate gate scandal. And the IPCC uh, fraudulent emails that have been leaked out, uh, which basically show that the data has been toyed with for decades. And effectively, there's no way to really determine uh, that there's any global warming going on at all. No, no, listen, uh, you know, I mean, I'll ask that straight away. No, no, and I appreciate your viewpoint, and I totally respect that. Um, you know, I mean, that's the end of the day, you know, that's what opinions are for, and that diversity in opinions is what creates change, and curiosity creates change. And, you know, the reality is that climate science is a very, very broad area, and there's many variables in, in climate modeling that's outside of our control. And unfortunately, that, because of the pure nature of that, that has been used extensively by individuals and corporations and and, and, and governments to manipulate the system, to be able to try and tell us a story that our planet isn't actually changing because of you know, our impact. And we start to create this very futile debate. And it is a futile debate, because at the end of the day, we're only kidding ourselves. No one else is going to lose out apart from us, and our children, and their children, and their children. Right? And so what we have to do is we have to say, okay, let's park that issue, right? Because we're never going to get an agenda that's a global government's agenda as we saw in Copenhagen because there's too many vested interests. But let's focus on the things that are fingerprints that are undeniable. The plastic in our ocean, the degradations of our forests, the degradation of topsoil, the collapse of our marine fisheries. 
pollution is rife. And you know what? A hundred years ago there wasn't plastic. And now we've got fingerprints everywhere that are poisoning our children, poisoning us, and are causing undeniable damage to our natural systems. They are blocking up the code of nature. And so when we look at it, it says, you know what, if you don't believe in that, just go outside and look at what's going on around you. Look at the loss of all these things that we need to support us. Nature is our life support system. So the, the argument, and you, if you've been dragged into it, then basically you're a chess piece in the game of big business that is using you to try and believe that we aren't having an impact. Believe me, we are. So <laughs> this is such a great piece. Again, this uh, beautiful irony of a Rothschild telling you <laughs> that you're dragged into being a chess piece by big business. Holy shit. <laughs> How does he keep a straight face? But um so you see so you see he go he goes in there he uses that technique from, from the start. Hey, that's a great question. Or, hey, I really respect that. I'm glad we've got different viewpoints. Uh, then he goes in, categorizes, um, well, he actually does this kind of backflip and he says, well, governments have, have used this data to manipulate it to appear like it hasn't happened, which the question was about the exact opposite. It was about uh, climate gate, saying how climate gate was, was this release of data where they manipulated it. Um, I'll put some some links in so you can have a look at the the leaks yourself. Um, then the thing is, um, he says, okay, um, it's a futile debate. So he's characterizing this is like this sneaky little indirect character attack uh, towards a person who's who's asking the question, like you're telling them that uh, that that this person is trying to derail it or or something like that, or we're getting caught up on details. Uh, but what I have to say is actually the important thing. And then he says, "Let's park that issue," which is an acute way of saying, "Let's not talk about what you just brought up." Um, and then uh, you know he brought, of course, he brought up some some valid points at the end, uh, uh, talking about um, things that we can measure, uh, and and that's perfectly reasonable. But he never actually answered the question, and that's the brilliant thing about it. Now, um, again, you you might believe in uh, anthrop anthropogenic climate change uh, and think it's a serious problem. You might not. Not really the point. The point is when people speak like this. It is an effective way of, of getting their point across and you need to be aware whether you agree with them or not that they may reinforce your beliefs or detract from your beliefs um, just by the way they're speaking. Um, I've got another example here uh, where Newt Gingrich, uh, is. this is from a, a 2011 Republican debate and uh, it's, it's on CNN and Newt Gingrich at the time had been in in problems because um, they were claiming that his ex-wife was claiming that he had asked for an open marriage. Um, let's see how he handles it. As you know, your ex-wife gave an interview to ABC News and another interview with the Washington Post, and this story has now gone viral on the internet. In it, she says that you came to her in 1999 at a time when you were having an affair. She says you asked her, sir, to enter into an open marriage. Would you like to take some time to respond to that? No. But I will. I think, I think the destructive, vicious, negative nature of much of the news media 
makes it harder to govern this country, harder to attract decent people to run for public office. And I am appalled that you would begin a presidential debate on a topic like that. person in here knows personal pain. Every person in here has had someone close to them go through painful things. To take an ex-wife and make it two days before the primary, a significant question in a presidential campaign, is as close to despicable as anything I can imagine. So it's, it's funny because you hear in that clip, it sounds like the, the, the audience applauding cuts in a little too quick. So it's like the, it's, it sounds like the audio has been manipulated. I don't know if that's, that's true. Maybe it's just the, the way they cut it. But, um, so the, the great thing about here is, is like doing this, this skillful deflection. Uh, so taking the focus off, off himself and saying, you, you're a terrible person for asking this question. Well, is it true, Newt? Is it true? Well, it kind of doesn't matter at that point. Um, it also, it sounds like you're really paying off that audience quite well if they're really applauding like that. And you must go to paint quite a bit on a rental crowd. Um, so, yeah, but at the end of the clip, he does actually den- deny the allegations. But... Um, he didn't really have to. It, wa- it wasn't really necessary because of the, the way he set it up, um, the meta communication of so many people applauding for him and thinking that, yes, it's, a, it's, it's an unfair question to ask, um, which is going to make you think, you, the viewer at home, think more or less the same thing. Uh, so, yeah, propagandists are magicians. They put, your, they put your attention where they want to. So, okay. What are the important points? When you're watching something, when you're reading something, you might get something good from it. But what you don't want to do is carry around the bathwater with the baby. So if you're watching something on TV and somehow somebody has slipped in something about their political agenda or their their idea that, that you should believe that um, the the idea of a conspiracy theory is, is anti-American or some nonsense like that, um, you need to pick that up or you, you need to make that distinction because if you don't, it's just going to seep into your mind and that's going to affect the way you think. Um, and that's how they get a free pass. And you don't want anyone getting a free pass. So like I said at the beginning, everybody's a propagandist. Everybody's trying to communicate something. Everybody's trying to make you buy into their, into their reality tunnel, just like I'm doing with you now. So... Don't don't give me a free pass. Don't let me into your brain without considering carefully the stuff I'm saying to you. So here's a quote from Edward Bernays, who you could call the godfather of propaganda. Uh, though many know him as the godfather of public relations. The conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in a democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. We are governed. Our minds are molded. 
our tastes formed, our ideas suggested, largely by men we have never heard of. This is a logical result of the way in which our democratic society is organized. Vast numbers of human beings must cooperate in this manner if they are to live together as a smoothly functioning society. In almost every act of our daily lives, whether in the sphere of politics or business, in our social conduct or our ethical thinking, we are dominated by the relatively small number of persons who understand the mental processes and social patterns of the masses. It is they who pull the wires which control the public mind. So, don't let them pull the wires on your mind. Your mind is your own. Your mind is sovereign. It belongs to you, and you should control it. You shouldn't let trespassers or freeloaders jump inside there and tinker around with the switches. As long as your mind is your own, they could take everything from you. They could, they could take your family, your possessions. They could leave you in a box. But you'll still have the mind of a free man, and that's something which is invaluable. Conversely. If you're living in a society and you think you're free, you believe you're free, but you're not really free in your thoughts, you're being manipulated, then you are not free. Freedom must come in your mind, in your thoughts, in your vigilance of your own thoughts. As I wrote once, a lion can be held by whips in a cage. It takes an idea for a man to be enslaved. The question is, who is to be the master? Should your beliefs lead and you follow after? If an idea tells you what you can and can't know, where your mind can and cannot go, which belief systems are prohibited zones, are you a human or a drone? Take care of yourself and be well. Thanks for listening, guys. Remember to jump on over to donate.theparadiseparadox.com. We appreciate all your tips because it demonstrates to us that we're not just doing this for no reason at all. We're doing it because you enjoy it. Uh, You'll get some entertainment from it, shed some light and some dark parts of your mind and open you up or made you laugh. Anything like that, if if that's the case, then jump on over to donate.theparadiseparadox.com and uh, give, us, give us a little tip there. Show us your appreciation. All right, I'll talk to you next time. Thank you.